This morning, we want to uh, look at this great doctrine of adoption. And again, it's just so interesting how uh, all this works out as we come together. And we see in the book of Ephesians, and Janine reminded me last week that I forgot to read the text. It, it, you know, a wife is helpful because they will keep you straight, or try to keep you straight anyway. I try. She said that with great emphasis. Uh, But let's read the first six verses, uh, hearing God's word. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will. And may God bless our hearts as we... Uh, read his word this morning. And uh, we saw last week just a quick review, and that's hard to do uh, because God brings to your memory uh, things that you forgot to say or want to repeat. But, but we find Paul was an apostle by the will of God, by divine decree, which always happens. He was an apostle. It wasn't a, a, a last-minute decision of God. And Paul begins in verse 3 he, 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 with praise to God, all glory to God, uh, because he has richly blessed us. And uh, all of these blessings are linked to our position as believers in Christ. You can't separate them. The first blessing that we saw last week was chosen before the foundation of the world. That's found in, in verse 4. Excuse me, verse 4. And you might say, how is this possible? Because from all eternity, believers have been in Christ. I don't understand that. Uh, God is bigger than I am. One day, we will probably understand those deeper things of God to, to the fullest extent. But really, what assurance and certainty. This lends to our whole understanding or concept of salvation. Uh, God has an eternal purpose for his own. And uh, our salvation is sure because we are chosen by God in Christ before the foundation of the world. Remember, we believe because we are chosen We're not chosen because we believe. And uh, again, God gets all the glory. It's easy for humanism to to creep into the church where it becomes man-centered. And it's doing that today because it's all about what I can get. And uh, if I bless somebody, God's going to bless me and give me a whole bunch of stuff or what have you. And yet it's all about him. Remember the verse, when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, and as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. 
You cannot turn that around and say, but as many as believed were appointed. Okay, so you're getting the cart before uh, the horse. And I just, again, this is review. Also in verses 5 through 11, we see we are predestined according to his sovereign purpose. And uh, that is an everlasting uh, choice uh, that's specifically effective in the life of the saints. And again, this is not fatalism. Uh, It is the benevolent plan of a loving creator who never does anything haphazardly. We've got to understand that because if not, you're going to worry about this and, and worry about that. No, God does all things well. And God is not in heaven wringing his hands wondering if anyone will choose him to be saved or leave him for that matter. And so... Uh, God is not frustrated. Okay? God is not frustrated. We get frustrated, but frustration is a sin. Is it not? God doesn't sin. He's not, he's not up there just hoping somebody will be saved and keep themselves saved. No, it's not. That's man-centered. What does 1 Peter 1, 5 say? We are kept by the power of God unto salvation through faith. And again, faith is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And so, uh, it's not God has a vote, Satan has a vote, and we cast the deciding vote. That is not Christianity. Sorry, but uh, uh, we believe, yes we do, we're born again, yes we are, but this is all because of the grace and mercy of God. It's not about me. And we give him all the praise and the glory. Don't completely understand it. We'll never completely understand that. But you better be careful how you talk to God and what you say to God about who he is and what he does. And this really makes a lot of people uncomfortable, a lot of Christians uncomfortable. And I was that way for many years. Uh, And really we see this argument hinges on the word foreknowledge that we found found last week and saw, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestinated. And foreknowledge, uh, you might say, well, oh, foreknew, that is, since God knows everything, then he would choose those who he foresaw would choose him. I mean, that's how a lot of people define foreknowledge. And yet that is not a description uh, found in the Bible. For one thing, we saw in Romans 3, what? There's none who seek God on their own. There's none who seek God. And I didn't talk about this last week, but there is a cause and effect, remember. Uh, The cause is the will and grace of God. The cause is not my faith, therefore God chooses me. No, the cause is God who works in me both to will, W-I-L-L, will, both to will, not my will, lest anyone should boast. No, it's, it's because God does it. Man doesn't like this. Why? Man wants to be in control. 
Even the Christian struggles with this because he wants to have a grip on God. No, brothers, be glad he has a grip on you. Because without his power, I'd fade away. I would fade away. And so this is, a, this is something to be uh, excited about. Not to fret over or feel angry over. It is the grace of God from all eternity. So the cause of grace is not faith and works. It's not that. Uh, and again, to some, they think this is very cold and impersonal, this way of understanding things. But it's not. It's just the opposite. Our God is a personal God who desires a relationship with his people. Salvation is not just a ticket so you miss hell. But oh, salvation is a, an adoption where we become one of the family of God by his grace through the faith that he has given us to believe. And you go, whoa, that's, that's, that's more than I can handle. And that's what Paul is talking about. He's so excited about this, he just can't stand it. He's just fired up, you might say. And we need to be fired up about it too. Because when we witness to people, there will be those lost sheep that will be found. It's not, well, no one, you know, no one's going to get saved. Well, I mean, you can, you know, look at it like that. No, there will be those who will be saved. And we're saying it's a multitude that no man can number. And uh, that's, that's pretty exciting stuff. And so... Let me ask you, do you have a relationship with God? Not just a ticket to heaven, because if it's all just a ticket to heaven to you, I would rather doubt if you really know God. Because it's a relationship. It's, a, it's, a, it's like a child and his daddy. and Oh, thank you, daddy. Thank you, daddy. Thank you, daddy. And that's tough for some people because they had a bad daddy. And... Uh, but we need to know that, no, we are adopted. Whew. We are adopted. And uh, we're his child. A Christian is one who has God as his father who has been adopted. You know, in, in Romans chapter 11, in verse 36, I know I preached through Romans, but you keep going back there because it's so luscious and uh, it says that for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Are all things. That's adoption. See, adoption is from him, through him, and to him. We've been adopted that way. So let's just look at that uh, briefly as we go through this, this whole idea of adoption from him. It originates in the plan of God before the world was. That God would adopt people for his family. Nothing takes him off guard. Nothing takes him off guard. There's no plan B. There's no plan C. It's not, oops, I made a mistake. I better change. No. It's, it's God's plan. 
my adoption does not rest on who I am. That something that God saw in me that made him include me into his people. And remember the song, I must have done something good in my childhood. I did very little good in my childhood, I can tell you that. My adoption is not fragile. My adoption is not uncertain. My adoption does not depend on me. My adoption is firm, sure, unshakable, as the eternal purpose of God is. If that, if that doesn't excite you, you need, to get, you need to get right. Because that will excite a believer. Yeah. It will. Not only that, it's not only from him, it's through him. That means uh, he had to die for this to happen. It's through him. Adoption. God said, I will take sinners into my family because I design that my son die on their behalf. So through the death of the son, our sins are forgiven. And we're going to see that too in Ephesians 1. All of our sins are forgiven. But that's another sermon. The justice of God is satisfied. The wrath of God is removed. And we become a family through faith in Christ. Whoa. That's, that's good stuff. Yeah. That is good stuff. It's, it's, uh, it's something to sink your teeth into and to meditate on. And then it's to him. From him, through him, and to him. And, and Paul says in what? In verse 6 in Ephesians 1, what does he say? To the praise of his glorious grace. He gets all the credit. That's what he's saying. To the praise of his glorious grace. Not to the praise in the, of, of Sid's glorious understanding and what he did. And No, it's his glorious grace, unmerited favor. He did what he did that we might praise him and not take any praise for ourselves. That is grace. That's grace. I want you to be blown away by that. I want you to be blown away by that because it's something worthy to be blown away about. Uh, that's how good it really is. It's interesting. We uh, talked. We sang a song about the great exchange. And again, Ben and I don't get to, together. And these are already recorded. But it says, "He made him that is Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him." Remember, that's the great exchange. He takes all my sin, all my sin, not most of it, and I have to pay for the rest of it. He gets all my sin, and I get all his righteousness. So when God looks at me, he doesn't see sinful Sid Phillips. He sees the righteousness of Christ. And I receive that by faith, that he's worked in me. And not perfect faith, uh, because I still doubt, I still sin, I still disappoint him. But that's the great exchange. Uh, we're born of God. 
Where do we find that? In John 1, 11 through 13. He came to his own, that is the Jews, and, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, and again, you must receive Christ. He is the only way. To them he gave the right or the power to become children of God. Even to those who what? Believe in his name. Who were born. Now he's talking about being born again. Okay? Being born of the Spirit. Being changed by the power of God. Being converted. Whatever you want to put it. Who were born not of blood. Not, in other words, not because you are some famous people. Then nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man. Well, wait a minute. I had something to do with this. Nope. Sorry. It's not by the will of man. Because you see, in the fall, our will fell too. The only one who ever could will himself was Adam. He could will not to eat of that, and he even failed. But we, when Adam sinned, he lost the ability to seek after God. It was God who came seeking Adam. Therefore, God gets all the praise. Did God have to do that? No. Does God have to save anybody? No. Is God just in not saving everybody or anybody? Yes, he is. Totally. Because what? You deserve the wrath of God. You really need to see that you're not good and that you really deserve his wrath. Because you will never understand grace until you understand who you are in your lostness. And then you get on your hands and knees and you'll praise Him for saving you. I mean, I, I, Janine will tell I started weeping at the table when God finally opened my heart to this truth. And I just wept and had to ask for forgiveness for uh, shaking my fist all those years in His face. And then Romans nine sixteen says, so then it does not depend on the man who what? What? Can that be any clearer? No. It does not depend on the man who wills or the man who runs, but on God who has mercy. And that's, and read Romans 9. That'll, you're talking about shaking your boots. That'll, that'll, that'll really rattle your can. Read about that. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. You better not talk to God like, this isn't fair. You didn't save everybody. That's not fair. No, if you'd have been in charge, you wouldn't have saved anybody. Because you're sinful. But God, being a holy God, has mercy on a multitude that no man can number. That's what you call grace. Wow. I'm, I'm getting excited just talking about it now. Because it's that good. And I want you to see the grace of God in adoption. The grace of God in adoption. God wants intimacy with his adopted children who are big sinners. I appreciate when Britain confesses that he sinned. Confess your faults one to another. Not me. I'm not going to do who? No, I... You can't hide them from God. Why not confess them? And he'll lift you up. See, not only does God love us, saves us, gives us his Holy Spirit that we might believe, but he adopts us 
into his family. Whoa. Because of adoption, he loves you as much as he loves his own son, Jesus. Think of that. That doesn't stir you. Nothing can. He adopts us to give us a new nature. You know, if Pavarotti were to adopt me, is he still alive? I'm not sure. But he's a great singer anyway. Would that make Sid Phillips a great singer? I don't think so. Because I would not have the nature of Pavarotti. Most people who have somebody that can sing can also sing in their family, but not me. Uh, None of us Phillipses can sing, I guarantee you that. But anyway, but when God adopts us, he gives us what? A new nature. He gives us a new nature. That's a good God. Where do we find that? In Galatians 4, which we also went through. But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem, and we're going to look at that too, those who were under the law, that we might receive, oh, whoa, adoption as sons. Do you realize that you are a son or a daughter of the Most High God? That's better than being a son of the president. Even with all the money. Because you are sons. God has sent forth the spirit of his son. This is what he gave you. Into our hearts crying, Abba, Father, or Daddy, Father. Therefore, you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then you are an heir. And we're going to look at that too, because that's found in Ephesians. So this is what Paul, Paul is getting so excited. He's just about can't stand it. And he just bursts forth from 3 to 14 with one sentence. Praising God. And then we consider the privileges adoption brings. We need to relate to God as sons. Adoption is the basis of everything about the Christian life. First of all, it is the basis of Christian conduct. The basis of Christian conduct. Pharisees tried to do it by mechanical means. Even adding to the law. There's no power in that. No. There's no power. Uh, see what they. And they were doing all of this stuff to please God. But what is the Christian? See you're, if you're trying to do all you do. So you can please God. You've missed a very good point. And what is that point? He's already pleased with you. He's already pleased with you. Whoa. What did, Jesus, what did God the Father say to Jesus at his baptism? This is my beloved son in whom I am what? Well pleased. Wait, it's talking about Jesus. Yeah, but what? You're in Christ. You're in Christ. He is well pleased with you already. See, you don't have to please him. Now, we should desire to please him. Don't misunderstand me. But he's already pleased with you. And if you live out of that, which is grace, which is the gospel, it'll empower you to do incredible things. As a matter of fact, you'll see your life start changing where before you've just tried and failed, tried and failed, come to church because you got to. And man, you'll just come to church now because you, you want to. See, that's the grace of God. He gets all the glory. 
You see, really, what is living the Christian life? Jesus put it this way. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So that they may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. And sends, rains on the, on, sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. You're to imitate the Father. You're to imitate God. Wow. That's a high calling. Be perfect as your Father is perfect. What are children to do or should do is to imitate their parents. Because why? Their parents are showing them the right way to go in the right way. And of course, some parents fail that. But adoption is glorifying the Father. You know, uh, Matthew 5.16, let your light so shine before men. Not to please God, not, I mean, not to, to uh, merit something from God in such a way that they may see your good works and what? Glorify your Father who is in heaven. That's what it's all about, is glorifying Him. And then secondly, adoption is the basis of Christian prayer and the life of faith. What is prayer? Prayer is not taking the arm of God and twisting it behind his back to get from God those things that he would not ordinarily give you. It is not trying to change his mind. It's not putting pressure on him. But prayer is delighting in God mainly. Delighting in God, praising Him for who He is. And Jesus said, What? All those other things are going to be added to you. But praise Him. Praise Him. Delight in Him. You know, I think as adopted children of God, and by the way, adoption is a beautiful thing. I asked a friend one time, I said, You have a, a, a you adopted this child, yeah, and then your wife conceived, and now you have three other children. Do you love your three blood children more than the adopted child? He said, not at all. I love them all the same. See, adoption is a beauty. And God loves us that way. And your father delights to hear from you. Your father loves to hear, I love you, Daddy. Abba, Father. That's Daddy, Father. Have you ever said that to him? I love you, Daddy, Father. He wants to hear it. You're so good to me. When? That's what uh, Andrew said all the time. And again, you know, that was not, we didn't get together and say, I want you to say that, Andrew, so I can say that in my sermon. (laughs) No, it's just the truth. I love being in your presence. God, you're so awesome. What did... What did Jesus say about the Lord's Prayer? Pray then in this way, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom, your will be done. Our desire should be to please Him 
and for his will to be done. You know, God gives us just what we need. And really, adoption is the basis then of an unanswered prayer. Or God answering in a way different than what we pray for. Because, you know, we think we know what's best for us. But, you know, we don't. You know, little kids, what do they want for supper? Cotton candy. What do they want for breakfast? Cotton candy. What do they want for lunch? Cotton candy. You know, they would be happy if the parents gave them nothing but cotton candy all the time. But that would be a parent who did not love their child. And so when we pray to our Father, Lord, your will be done, not my will. God, open my heart to see just how wonderful you are and that I can love you all the time. Not most of the time, except when you fail me or don't answer me or seems like you don't answer. No. No, he loves us in that way. Loves us in that way. You need to see that he gives good gifts. He gives good gifts. Matthew 6, 25 through 33. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life, so as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add even a moment to his lifespan? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory clothed uh, clothed himself like one of these did not. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Do not worry then saying what we shall eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for clothing. For the Gentiles seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But what? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Trust God. Trust God. Cast your cares upon him. Thirdly, we see adoption is the key to understanding the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Because what does Paul call the Holy Spirit? He calls him the spirit of adoption. And what is the work of the Holy Spirit? To help you understand new relationships with God. New relation, You have a new relationship. To deepen your understanding of that relationship. It means... It means you have a new family. You have a new likeness. Romans eight fourteen through 16. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which you cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with your spirit that we are the children of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Also, it is adoption that makes us look forward to heaven. Why? We will receive an inheritance that we're going to look at in the future. 
but we need to see that we are heirs right now. If children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may be also glorified with him. 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, now we are, not in the future, now are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we will see him just as he is. We're heirs now. So we, and I'm almost done here, only got four more pages. And I do, but I'm not going to do that to you. But uh, what are the glorious duties of an adopted child? Believing God is well pleased with you. You must believe God is already well pleased because you are a child of the living God by faith. He loves you. He loves you. Matthew 3.17, Behold, a voice out of heavens said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. We need to realize that He is well pleased with us. One day we will be transformed and we'll be glorified having a perfect body. And we will be perfect in the sight of God. And remember, you've got to be perfect to get to heaven. I say that at most every funeral where I preach. You've got to be perfect to get into heaven. People say, well, that leaves me out. No, you need the perfect righteousness of Christ because that makes you perfect in God's sight. You have Christ, then you're perfect in his sight. He is well pleased with you already. Wow, that'll preach. It will transform, if believing this will transform the way we come to church, the way we read the Bible, the way we worship, and the way we give. Someone said, give till it hurts. And yet I say, give till it stops hurting. We're not to be ashamed of it. We're not to be ashamed of it. Just think of what you were when you were a child of Satan. You know what? One of the, the greatest verses in the scripture is found in Isaiah 62.5. For as a young man marries a virgin, so your sons will marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so your God will rejoice over you. Have that in your heart. Our God rejoices over us. Not if we measure up. Not if we do everything right. He loves you because he's adopted you. Praise his holy name. Give him glory. Shout aloud. Shout aloud. Do you have a relationship with Christ? Do you have a relationship with Christ? Do you see your relationship 
as an adopted child of God who sent his son to die for you. And now, by faith, you have Christ, the perfect righteousness of Christ. And now we have his spirit, and we can cry, Abba, Father, Daddy, Father, knowing that he loves us and cares for us. Lord, I just pray uh, uh, this morning that you would come and fill our hearts with the love of Christ. Lord, if there's anyone here, here who has never experienced that love as an adopted child of God, that you would work in them, that they would come to love you and to rejoice in you, knowing that you rejoice over them because you first loved us. God, give us grace, Lord, to give you all the glory as Paul did in Jesus' name. Amen.